0: So that's all to lead to. Last weekend, we, we covered do not judge or you will be judged, the law of reciprocity. You tend to get back. If you criticize and nitpick people, you're going to get that back. We looked at the, the law of responsibility. Don't look at the plank in other people's eyes. Look at the speck. Uh, or the, the speck in other people's eyes. Look at the plank in your eye. The law of responsibility says, I am responsible for changing a person. Who is that person? <laughs> it is me. Don't be a pearl pusher. Some of us are pearl. The more religious you get, the more pearl pushing you tend to be. And that is cast your pearls before people who, you know, who really don't care for your pearls. And that's the law of receptivity is we're not here to push our solutions onto people. It's when they're ready and receptive. And then the law of relationship, which is ask, seek, knock. That every human relationship is based on asking. And if I trust you, I know I trust you because I trust your no as much as I trust your yes. That's true of our relationship with God. I know I trust God when I ask him something, and I trust his no as much as I trust his yes. Well, in the remaining minutes, I want to take you now where Jesus transitions into our relationship with him. And some things he says that that really bring into play certain laws, fundamental laws of life. And here's the first one, is the law of uh, what, what we'll call restriction. The law of restriction says that the restrictive power of Christ actually leads to great freedom. I want to show you this this verse, and I am frozen. <laughs> Eric, release me. There we go. Why does this always happen to me at the first service? <laughs> Eric, you're going to have to run the slides. Uh, here's the law of reception uh, restriction, where Jesus says this. He says, if... You enter through the narrow gate, Matthew 7, 13, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, often that verse has been used to say, there aren't very many people going to heaven. See? And usually, we're the ones that are going to get in, because our religious tradition is the right one. And, and that has nothing to do with heaven. It has to do with the default setting of the human race is, don't put any restrictions on me. I want to be free. Do any of you know of a country where that's kind of an ethos of that country? And Jesus says here that the default setting of human beings will lead to restriction. That he said, the life I'm bringing you into It will start out narrow, but it'll lead to freedom. Whereas the default setting in our sin nature is, I don't want any restrictions on me. And does that lead to freedom? No, it leads to we're then enslaved by the wrong things. And so Jesus says the law of restriction is something you're going to have to settle in with because my life has this amazing paradox to it. And here's the paradox that was true of Jesus. Christ was very narrow in his relationship with his heavenly father and very broad in his relationship with people. Now, that's the opposite of religious people in America. It's the opposite. Evangelical Christians in America, relationship with God, our basic habits are no different than people who don't have a relationship with God. But what we're known for is being very narrow in our relationship with people. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself started a movement that was to be very broad. He himself, in his relationship with his heavenly father, was very narrow. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. I have come to show you the one true God. Oh my gosh, those are, if you want to start a riot in America, just start saying those things. Because, oh, that is so restrictive. He was very narrow when it came to his relationship with his father, but he was very broad in his relationship with people. He touched a leper. He allowed a woman who was a prostitute to wash his feet and dry his feet with her hair. He commended a Roman centurion. He had dinner with tax collectors, which would be the equivalent of the mob. He hung out with a hey, Joey. He hung out with people like that. He did. Hand to God. You know, that type guy. <laughs> and, and, and it's really fascinating that especially evangelical Christians in America are the exact opposite. Exact opposite. Look, This is a fascinating insight. Look at these words from Luke 17.10. Go, show yourself to the priest. What's that about? One time Jesus was approached by ten lepers. Nine of them were Jewish. One of them was Samaritan. Samaritans were the others. They were the the outsiders who um, were actually the result of interbreeding between Jewish people and Babylonian people when Jews were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And so they were the unclean. And Jesus heals all ten. And it's really interesting what he says. He says, go show yourself to the priest. Is that what it says? It's not what it says. It says, priest's. He says to this interfaith community, it's amazing how people who would have nothing to do with each other are bonded by things like leprosy and sickness. There are no atheists in foxholes nor are there denominations in foxholes. And he says, you Jewish people, go to your priest. You Samaritan people, go to your priest. This is a stunning thing. Right there, he is transcending human religious boundaries. He's saying, I'm bigger than human religious boundaries which say that Jews hang out with Jews and Christians hang out with Christians and Protestants hang out with Protestants and Catholics hang out with Catholics, etc., etc., do not intermingle. He's saying, go show yourself for cleanliness. The priests operated almost like doctors who could give the, the slip of notice that said, you are clean. And he says, go show yourself to the priests. Jesus was very narrow in his relationship with the Heavenly Father, but he was very broad in his relationship with people. And this is, this is right here, one of the things about Christ that transcends religion. Religion tends to divide people, but Christ is very broad in his relationship with people. As a matter of fact, the narrower Christ gets in his devotion to the Heavenly Father, the more broad-minded he is in love and reaching out to people. The Barner Research Group studies faith issues in America, and they've done intense research in the last two years in particular, and you're not making it up. Uh, America is divided and fractured. Is that good to know that, that it's not just you? It is. We are a severely fractured culture and society, and most Americans, according to Barner Research, believe it would be difficult to have a natural and normal conversation with minority groups who are different from them, like a Muslim, or an atheist, or an evangelical, or a member of the LGBTQ community? What do you think was the group that has the hardest time having natural and normal conversations without the need to try to change someone with minority groups? Which group do you think it is? Evangelical Christians. As a matter of fact, the study showed that not only do evangelicals have the hardest time having normal natural conversations with atheists or Muslims or people of a different sexual orientation, 28% of evangelicals say they have a hard time having a normal conversation with other evangelicals without trying to change them. (laughs) Now look at this. The longest recorded conversation in the whole Bible is Jesus with a Samaritan woman who had been divorced five times and was now living with a man. That's the longest recorded conversation between two people in the whole Bible. And if you put the stories with the research, it shows why today the Dayton Daily News had an article in the paper about how many churches are being now taken over by breweries. Did you see that? You know why that's happening? It's not because of Jesus. It's because religion is unappealing. Cold, hard, we're right, you're wrong. Get outside our building because you're not in our circle. Why? It's not because breweries aren't filling church buildings today because Jesus doesn't work. It's because religion doesn't work. Religion doesn't work. Because today, the most inclusive man in the history of the world now has a movement that's known for its exclusivity. And this is the problem. This is why we need a sermon series on life beyond religion right here. Because Jesus, look at this, Jesus was full of love, and love both narrows and broadens. Love narrows your focus on God and broadens your acceptance of people. And if you have something other than that, you have religion, you don't have Jesus. You don't have Jesus. If you're sitting there going, but wait a minute, in our church, these are certain people that really aren't welcome. You need to reevaluate your faith. I'll tell you the thing that, you say, of all the things that I'm just so joyed that we get to do, there are many things. One of them was the conference this weekend. I'm so glad we got to serve first responders. Just, I had a brief conversation Friday night with a, a young lady who's um, a dispatcher in Centerville. And she was. Here, think of the things she hears every day. She was here to be served, and it was so great. You know what else I love is that we've built a relationship with a group of Muslim women who were able to get away from the men folk for a while and have a party in our reverie reception every once in a while. And we'd build a relationship with them, Saul and his team. And I think, how much that's like Jesus. A Samaritan woman, no rabbi would be caught having a conversation with a Samaritan woman, let alone one who'd been divorced five times, let alone one who was living with someone. And he did. And I don't, that's why I don't want to be I don't want to be a religious person because religion tends to empty yourself of love and narrow your relationship with people. The love of God that is very narrow in in so many ways tends to broaden your acceptance of people. You don't feel the need to change people. I've been married to Sherry for 37 years. That has narrowed my life. (laughs) That has restricted my life. Would you believe that? She's narrowed me down that much. You know, we have hundreds of friendships that I know are the direct result of our relationship. Because that's what, that's what Christ does. The same string that holds the kite down allows it to fly. And that's Jesus. Do you remember in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, um, you heard it said, hate your enemies, but I say to you, tolerate your enemies. Do you remember when he said that? No, you don't remember that because it's not in there. It's not in the Bible, tolerate your enemies. What did he say? Oh, love Democrats. <laughs> love Republicans. Oh my gosh, he didn't say tolerate because tolerate is not there. It actually comes from the Latin word tolerantia, which means to put up with, to endure. He says, I didn't come to give you a religious tolerance, I came to fuse you with my love. Whoa, wait a minute now. We're getting serious. This is not what I came for. I came for the free coffee and the little tips of God in a two-pound sack to go. I didn't come to love no Republicans. But notice, but, but remember your wedding vows? Sherry did not say to me on our, our wedding day, I vow to tolerate you until death do us part. I'm going to endure you until I'm released through the avenue of death from having to tolerate you. <laughs> How many of you, when you lay down at night, you, sit, you get your kids and tucking them in at night, and you say, good night, sweet dreams, honey. I tolerate you so much. You don't say that, do you? You don't say that. Why? Because you know you're made for love. You're not made to tolerate. I saw, I saw a post on Instagram of from one of the old Dennis the Menace show. Dennis the Menace was this ordinary kid and his mom's tucking in it, him in and, and at night and Dennis looks up at her and says, Mom, why do you why do you not say good night? Why do you always say thank God when I'm being tucked in? <laughs> That's because we were meant to tolerate, we were meant to love. How many of you sing at a birthday party? I tolerate you, I tolerate you, I put up with your existence, it's the best I can do. How many of you, how how many of you do that? You don't do that. Some of you think, hey, that's a good song, I'm going to sing that at our next birthday party for my kids. No, you don't do that because why? We're not made to tolerate, we're made to say, We love you, Muslim women, and we're not trying to change you because that's not our job. That's God's job. Our job is we're on the love committee. We're not on the tolerate committee. That's not our job. And no wonder that breweries are now replacing churches in church building because you are not made to be tolerated. You're made to be celebrated, and so is every human being that you'll have contact with this week. Tolerance is better than intolerance. But it's not love. you got to reevaluate things now, don't you? Let me ask you a question. Who's freer? Who's freer? Is it the person who's capable of loving people who are different than they? Or with whom they disagree? Or the person who cannot love their enemy? Who's freer? You want to see freedom? Hanging on a torturous instrument, he goes, Father, forgive my crucifiers. They know not what they do. That's a free human being. That's a person who's free. That's what a, that's what a complete human being looks like. And Jesus says, my way's narrow. Ooh, it's, it, this is narrow. This is a call of obedience that is serious. It's not, I'll patch up the little dents in your drywall. I'm taking you down to the studs and we're gonna redo this thing. That's why Jesus' constant question he said in John 8:31, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth. You'll know reality and the truth will set you free. He was constantly calling people to, to say, are you really my disciple? Cuz he knew people who were religious. He actually came and the people who killed him were religious people. That's who killed him. So he said, I don't, I'm not I'm not here to do religion 2.0. I'm going to I'm going to patch it up and make it better. He said, no, I've come I've fulfilled the law and now I'm going to give you something that's beyond religion. But you got to make a decision. Are you going to be one of my apprentices? Who's gonna, are you going to be one of my disciples? And that wasn't a religious term to them, any more than a plumber. When if you ask a plumber who's your apprentice, that that's a religious term to that plumber, a plumber has an apprentice because why? They're teaching another individual how to be a plumber, and that other person's going to figure out how they do it. Jesus, when he said, you're my disciples, there wasn't some, ooh, those are the really committed zealots in the church, disciples. No, he's just saying, are you ready to apprentice me? You gotta let go of your resentments. You, You gotta be an acknowledgement of poor in spirit. And then you're free to love. And then there's room for me to come in and change you from the inside out. Real quick, look at these other two. Matthew seven fifteen. Look what he says: the law of reproduction. Before you, before you go getting all religious on me, he says, "Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves." Some of the most destructive people in the world are religious. You know, Vladimir Putin had a religious conversion a number of years ago, right? He is committed to this movement of his because he's protecting the Holy Russian Orthodox Church. How many of you would rather Vladimir Putin be less religious? Because, see, what religion tends to do is it puts on an outer cloak of sheep, but there's no transformation of the heart. No transformation of the heart. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? You go out to the tree and you go, huh, I thought this was an apple tree. It is an apple tree, but it produced watermelons. How did that happen? It doesn't work that way. Like otherwise, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good bad fruit, and a good tree cannot bear, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. In other words, the law of reproduction says, eventually what's inside me will come out of me. If in reality I don't love people different than I am, it will come out no matter how much external religious manufacturing I produce on the outside. That's the law of reproduction. Look at the other one quickly. Verse twenty-one: Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that has nothing to do with going to heaven. It has nothing to do with. I'm gonna, It has to do with entering the rule of Christ. That's the kingdom of heaven. As you've come into now, I am your apprentice. You're teaching me how to do life. He says, just because you say the right words, just because you say the words Jesus Lord does not mean you're just barcoded in. It is, it, it, this, is, this is the one thing that religion really needs to get. Just because your butt was baptized does not make you a Christ follower, an apprentice of Jesus, because you said the right things. He says, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, oh Lord, haven't we done great things? Prophesy on your name, your name drive out demons, your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. See, this is not about religiosity. This is about a relationship away from me, you evildoers. And this is the law of religion, is the more you focus on external sin management and behavior modification and ritual, the less you will depend upon an honest, transformative relationship with Christ. That's why, you know, people say, you know what? If you take all the religious rules off of people, they'll start living crazy. (laughs) That's right. They'll live like their heart is. One of the best sermons I've ever heard on cussing was by Jim Dethmer. And he talked about, what if your five-year-old son comes to you and drops an F-bomb because he heard it at in kindergarten one of the best things I ever heard Jim Dethmer say was then tell him son if that's what's in your heart it's an ugly word then I want you to say it I want you to say it I want you to get the consequences of that because it's not really socially acceptable in some settings and you'll find that in kindergarten it's not socially acceptable but I'll, I, want you to tell you this. I want you to I want you to allow Jesus to cleanse that ugly stuff out of your heart but if that's what you feel then say it to me I'll give you my repercussions from you saying that. <laughs> and this is Jesus. He's saying, that, you know, I, this, is not, this is not about, oh, I don't cuss on the golf course as much as I used to. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> this is about an internal regeneration of the soul that religion usually gets in the way of. It usually does. Next week, we're going to finish this with his famous parable of the two builders. But you're going to have to decide before you hear that. Do you want to be a religious person? Or do you want to be an apprentice of Jesus? Because the two are not the same. They're not necessarily the same. Let's pray. Father, into your hands we commit our spirits and souls. Some of us right now are going to begin our week by taking of the body and blood symbols of Christ that are in the room. And this is not a religious act. This is a way for us to anchor ourselves around a physical action that says, I want you and me and me and you. Christ in me is the hope of glory. I don't want to be a religious person known around the office or the factory or the school for that. I want to be a person that people say, he has a transformative love. She has an impactful love about her. That I want what she has. And they want Jesus. Thank you for our weekend and we could serve those who put their lives on the line every day. We pray that this weekend has blessed them beyond measure. Thank you for starting a movement that was not about dividing people. It was about us being so loving that people could not ignore our cause. We thank you and love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 See you next week.